following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, September 23rd, 2021, season 17, episode number 27. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, as we do every day, can you give me a 27? Oh, Ron Fellows. Ron Fellows from the 80s, right? Back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was before I was a Cowboy fan, but I remember the name, yeah. Right. Ron Fellows. Ron Fellows. I don't even... He was a defensive back. Is that right? Yep. Cornerback wore the Eric Dickerson goggles, you know. Yeah, it was one okay. of those. Yeah, I can't think of one like what's a what's a what's a recent what's one? the JJ Wilcox? Yeah, I was about to say the safety. I was about to say the safety. I couldn't remember his name. The safety? Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. It's not that dropped. far in the past. I should have no, busted out Eddie George. That's what I should have done. You did know, he wear twenty seven here. I think he did. Yeah, oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. remember we sat and interviewed him that year at training camp on the court, Knoxnard. Yeah, I think when he was so. that year he was here. Yeah, is that when the is that when we had an earthquake. I don't know if he, it was it was the same year. Yes, I think. Yeah, but I don't know if we were interviewing him while the earthquake happened. But I do remember we interviewed him him on the court, and yeah. it was the same year from our setup. You know, the Hall of Fame list just came out, hundred and something names, yeah. and there was we always talk about that. Who should we mention? Because there's five or six you know true cowboys, and then there's another four or five that you're like, oh, oh yeah, he played. For, you know. Like yeah. Randall Cunningham and Eddie George and Zach Thomas and guys that kind of just you know finished it up over here. Yeah. But um, so he was one of them. Now there's some former Cowboys not on the list, but we can talk about that later. Who? Romo. Do we you know? just keep running with this? Like you came to my office like that was like breaking news. We know he's not going to make it into the Hall of Fame, right? It's not about the making. It it's not the about fame. the making it into. You talk about just being on the list. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. There's a hundred and three names the list. on the I, list. I know, but you you mentioned Jake Delhomme, and I thought Dave had a good point. Jake Delhomme had a no, better career. No, than he Tony. didn't. He I didn't. looked. I looked it up. He went to a Super Bowl though. I don't, go look don't, at the numbers. Don't do that. Don't do the. Go Super look at Bowl, the numbers. Man. They're. It's not even close. No, it's not even. And close. Jeff Garcia, I don't think had a better career either. I just, I just think. Did I, they both play in Super Bowls? Did Jeff Garcia play in a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Here, here's what I don't know. I don't know how the process goes with the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and all that. Like, because. I thought you made a really good point. We don't know for sure when Romo ever filed his paperwork, right? Or if he filed his, he paperwork. might, yeah, like <laughs> that would. I, he might be sitting there, like, hey, let's see if this DAC thing works out. He's probably <laughs> right. filed it by now. It's working but out, okay. It is working out. It yeah. wouldn't shock me at all if he waited like a year, just yeah. in that snarky Romo fashion. Yeah, just, just yeah, like, ah, eh, you never know. <laughs> but <laughs> that's how he would do it. Mm-hmm. Eh, you yeah. never know. Yeah, because like several times during the the season, they're like, "Well, you know, after you retired," and he's like, on the air, he's like, "Did I, Jim? Like, are you sure?" <laughs> you know, so he liked to play around. But I, I don't even know if that even matters. I think it's when you're done playing. Yeah, five years removed from that, but from your last game type. I thing, mean, or last. Okay, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say that Tony Romo deserves to be like in the Hall of Fame. Definitely not first ballot, and maybe over time he keeps, you know, being a great announcer. Maybe you have a shot, but. I mean, just to be on the list. To I mean, not be on that list is yeah. wild. Yeah. Which is like, I am I wonder if 
maybe I don't know. Maybe the paperwork thing yeah. is important. I don't know, but like. He should be on a list of 122 people. I mean, I get it. I'm just, I'm just not going to get too bent out of shape for somebody I don't think has a shot at making it. So if you didn't get on the list and you're not going to get in anyway, then what's the big deal? Yeah, you know? well. well, DeMarcus Ware got on the list. And, and he will be in the Hall of Fame. First ballot? Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I, I think mean, so. You think so? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be close, I think, for first ballot, but I think he probably You know, does. my thing is always, was there a period of time when the guy was considered one of the best in the league, top three, five, whatever it is, one of the best in the league. And I think there was a period where you would say he was one of the best pass rushers in the league, and then he went to Denver, and that Super Bowl, he had a lot to do with that. And so I think that was kind of the the icing on the cake cake for him. And so I look at that, and I'm like, yeah, Yeah. he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, just don't don't use the excuse that he's the Cowboys' all-time leader in sacks because that doesn't mean anything because it didn't mean anything for Harvey Martin for years. Yeah, so. But, um, were they even were they even tracking him back with Harvey Martin for all of his well, career? Not for all. Well, not for all of his career. We're going to get really into the weeds on this because right. Pro Football Reference, a really great website out there, has a lot of stats. They're actually they've gone back. They have a huge project that they've been doing in the last two years to try to go back and well, get cool. all of these sacks yeah. and go watching all these tape to try to the to you know. It's nineteen eighty two is when is when the sacks officially made a stat, but they're trying to give it to the league. To go a lot earlier than that. I remember watching interviews with, with guys like Deacon Jones, mm-hmm. who for half of our audience are like, "Who is that?" But watching some of those interviews, and they're like, "Yeah, all these sack numbers mean nothing because I had way more than that because they weren't counting them back during a lot of his yeah. career." Uh, and he was a a beast mm-hmm. as of, of a sack guy, but it just wasn't being counted back then. A little bit different too, because a lot of times they were running it like in more of a kind of a not not like an option but their yeah. quarterback was kind of getting the ball and running and then maybe throwing it and then was that a tackle was that a sack you know yeah. it was a little bit different back then all right let's jump in we got a few things we need to hit um we're going to be joined by bucky brooks here in the second segment of the show before we get to him though we do need to talk about keanu neal Oh, man, it seems like now this is just, and I shouldn't even say now, but this season, even more so than last year, COVID seems to be a weekly thing. I have a basically a, a list that we're talking about from the standpoint of injuries, and then I got a COVID list. And this week, here's your latest uh, addition to that COVID list, Keanu Neal. I, and as until further notified, I just assume this is going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been this is third third game. Third guy. It was Zach Martin, then it was Randy Gregory, now it's Keanu Neal. Fortunately, on one hand, Randy's back, so that's nice. So Zach only missed one game, Randy only missed one game. Uh, maybe Keanu will only miss one game. That's TBD. That, yeah. Well, well, but they're 0 for 2. I don't I don't want to hear about a guy coming back in time until it happens. Well, they're but, 0 for 2 It's a different situation, back. though. In the other two instances, both those guys tested positive. This is not a test He's positive a close situation. Contact. It's close contact, which means that according to the rules, as I understand them, when it's close contact, you have a, fi- a minimum five-day if you're unvaccinated, which would mean that as of the time that we learned about it yesterday, that's five days to Monday. If he gets negative tests here in, in succession, he could possibly play on Monday, right? That's awesome. I'll believe it when it happens. Okay. I, just, I mean, I just, you know, every I'm just over the whole like, when's he testing? Have we heard what his test is? Is he coming back? And like, you know, Zach. And I know you're right. Keanu didn't test positive. Right. That, that Which matters. Makes a that's a big difference. Yeah. But Zach, you know, to he talk to Zach Martin, he's like, I was never playing in that game. So right. I just, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. That's just the attitude that I prefer to have. Well, let's let's really talk about what it means because there's only only it seems like there's one player that we've been talking about in the last you know 
two weeks now, and that's Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of goes back to Micah Parsons, and here we are. Keanu Neal, De- Dorrance Armstrong has an ankle, high ankle sprain, probably not going to play in the game. Hasn't mm-hmm. been ruled out yet. We haven't seen an official injury report yet. We probably will today. Um, and so do you rush him on the outside, or now you got a guy that may not be playing next to him in the nickel? Or both, you know, but there uh, we go. That's the answer. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he if he was a hockey player, I don't think he would go for like line changes and stuff like that. I mean, he, he go back. He, he sends. Yeah, he'd just be like, I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> I asked him about it on Sunday. If you go, he play. Oh, sorry. What was that? I said, oh. I'll play goalie, sure. Oh, yeah. He'd be <laughs> one of those defensemen, though. And I don't think oh, defensemen yeah. actually they – they don't, they don't rotate the same. And yeah. so, yeah, of course, he's definitely going to be a defenseman. Yeah. Because Stephen Jones – I'm sorry. Uh, Stephen Jones told me a story that he actually played running back is in high school and maybe even early in Penn State. Like, was that was – maybe he was going to do a little bit of both. And then somebody got hurt on defense, and then he decided he would stay on defense. And that's I mean, where it – the, the guy snapped the ball – the guys played linebacker. The guys played defensive end. Like those are things he's just done here. Sitter, <laughs> right? about I mean, true. Yeah, like what? Ha- what can't he do? You know? He's gonna get an interception or a fumble, and he's, and he's he's not gonna go down easy. And then and then it's just gonna start off. Well, you know, can he Zeke, play tight if Zeke can't can't run the ball better than that, I mean, how about third and two? You yeah. know, that's what's yeah. gonna happen. Cool. He's a football player. I love it. Give him. Put it all on his plate. It's fine with me. So what do you do with his role this week? I mean, because you're right. You have now a guy that presumably could be out of defensive end. Now, you did get one back in Randy Gregory. You now got maybe a linebacker that could be out. So what do you do with that? Like you got two different positions where you may be in need, and those are the two positions he plays. What do you do with his role? I would rotate him between edge rusher and spy linebacker, depending on the situation. And it's not... There's not a, a one way to play it. It does. It doesn't depend on the down. It sorry. It does depend on the down and the distance. Like third and long. Love the idea of Micah Parsons being in front of Jalen Hurts to clean it up if he gets a mirror word. him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's what kills you is when a guy like Jalen Hurts can convert these long third third downs where third and eight and Terrell Basham swipes at his ankle but he gets away and converts it. That's when I want Micah Parsons mirroring whatever he does. Different situations, bring him down and have him rush the passer. They're short on the edge again if Dorrance Armstrong can't play. I think that should absolutely be part of what he does. Uh, and and you can platoon that with Layton and Jalen to have them doing, you know, if he's down on the edge, then they can be playing linebacker. But yeah. I want him doing it all. Yeah, and I don't want Jalen Hurts getting a good read on anything he's doing. Uh, you know, he's a young quarterback that is still learning, still trying to pick up things, still trying to read different defenses and schemes. And so, you know, right now when you've looked at the Cowboys for two weeks, you don't have a great feel on where Micah Parsons is going to be. The first game was different. Second game was way different. And then maybe the third game will be a combination of both. But You know, know, one thing I will say, Nick, uh, to that point, I actually, I'm okay in this instance if Jalen Hurts knows going into the game and as the game transpires, he knows I got to deal with Micah Parsons one-on-one every play. Here's why. Because I think that's Running is his security blanket. You know how some t- some quarterbacks, the tight ends, their security blanket. There's a particular receiver they love to go to. I think for Jalen, the the bread and butter of his game is if everything doesn't work out, I can run. And if I run, I think I can pick up good yards. 
if you get create some indecision in those kind of moments because he knows I got this linebacker coming at me and he's fast yeah. and he's not gonna fall for the the elusive move I'm whatever I might try to put on like he is coming and I don't know how I can neutralize him that creates indecision with him and it might force him to say in situations where he may otherwise run well let me see if I can get this pass out there and then he throws up an ill-advised pass and here you go turnover yeah. right so I'm I'm all good with I'm all good with this game. Michael Parsons, them going into the game and saying, you're going to go get the quarterback. You stay with the quarterback. Don't let him do anything. You take that part of their game away, I think that offense falls apart. Not to doubt Micah's ability either, but I think it's worth repeating. This is not as favorable a matchup on the edge as it was last week. Rashawn Slater, he didn't give Slater any trouble at all. We Jordan Mailata, young player, but seems to be very talented, lot of upside, very athletic Ball. guy, played rugby. Yeah. And then you got Lane Johnson, who's one of the three or four best right tackles in football. So I don't see him dominating as a pass rusher the way that he did. It ain't Storm. No, it ain't no. the swing tackle. So oh, right. there's there's and there's no and I've argued with some people about this that are ready to just, you know, put him next to LT in and D Ware. I mean Nobody has ever game-planned for Micah Parsons to play defensive end. It hasn't happened yet. Nobody's ever done it, studied him on tape, see what he likes to do, and says, all right, cool, you want to play it that way? We're just going to not, you know, get him up the field. And we'll, I mean, think about it. The Cowboys used – they studied Joey Bosa enough you know, last week to actually run at him, leave him unblocked at times, knowing how he's going to get up the field and do things to kind of go against him. So – it, it's just the Cowboys, you know, they they got him on that one. They didn't – Chargers didn't know that was happening. They got him. They, they exploited a matchup, and it worked. But let's just see before we, we say, oh, this is where it needs to be. Because because Zach Martin never played tackle before. But for some reason, when he got to the NFL, they were like, he's a guard. Based off everything he is, he's a guard. No, one's, no one did this with Micah Parsons. No one said he's a pass rusher. He's a linebacker. That's what that's where he's always played. That's probably where he's going to be. But we've seen some pass rushing skills that can make it, you know, pretty dynamic there as well. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. We'll talk about the Philadelphia defense versus the Dallas offense. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys Way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys Way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? 
Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Back to the break. Get on-demand Cowboys content on your home TV. Get the latest player interviews, video, podcasts, documentaries, and so much more. Download Cowboys on your connected TV. Cowboys Now is what it's called. Cowboys Now. Yeah, make sure you check that out. You can check it out on Apple TV, on Roku, on Amazon Fire, and all three of those platforms. No, I'm just saying, are, are you saying that we should probably rewrite this read? I think well, we should. Well, what did I say? What well, was wrong with it? we need to add the stuff that you always Yeah, yeah, in. absolutely. And we Roku, probably should. We, we will. probably should. Next time. But I'm just letting people know, like, if you, if you want to check it out. And by the way... It's a really great tool, particularly for Sundays, because most people are sitting on the, at their TV. They're watching the games. If you want to be able to catch pregame and postgame, that is exclusively about the Cowboys, because otherwise you're watching the ESPNs and all that. And again, those are great shows, but you gotta you gotta weed through the talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars to get to the Cowboys, right? So if you want just all Cowboys in your pregame or postgame, pull up the app on your television. You can watch the pregame there. It's a great show. We have. Uh, same thing pre and post. We have an outstanding pregame show. Yeah, it's I mean, really, it, really, it really, yeah. really is. I mean, we think about just just the guys that the the experience that goes yeah. into the room there yeah. with with Nate and Isaiah and Barry Church and then yeah. Kyle. And Kyle's hosting it. Kyle hosts it, and yeah. he he puts a lot of work into it. And then a lot of guys behind the scene. Britt Johnson's in it now. Yeah. They throw it to the stadium a couple times. Yep. So it's I think it's a really great show. Stephen and that Jones, to me, I think Stephen that's yeah, I think that's a great opportunity uh if you if you haven't tried it to try the Cowboys Now app on those platforms and be able to watch that yep. uh, pre and post game uh from your couch. All right. So we got Bucky Brooks of NFL Network joining us. And Bucky, first of all, let me apologize because I just used Jacksonville as the example there. And I know you're a Jacksonville guy, so I just didn't want to kind of throw your team out there like that. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. You got a little love for the city of Jacksonville. All right. So here's what I got for you. I was looking at some of the stats uh, around this uh, Philadelphia defense. They have only allowed two touchdowns in two games. Uh, now, obviously, we, we think that Dallas's offense is much better than Atlanta or San Francisco. So my question for you is what weaknesses can Dallas, Dallas exploit uh, that Atlanta and San Francisco could not? Well, I think, one, you have to go into it knowing that it's going to be kind of a knockdown dragout affair. Uh, this is a well-coached team. Jonathan Gannon has done a really good job of taking some of the principles that he learned from Indianapolis and putting them into play in Philadelphia. And if those who know Indianapolis know that Matt Eberflus, who's with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. is a Ron Marinelli disciple. And so they, they do a lot of those things. It's all about hit, run, chase, keep the ball in front, make you take a lot of plays 
to be able to score. And they, what they hope is that they can throw you off kilter and make you settle for field goals as opposed to touchdowns. And that's what they've been able to do uh, the first couple uh, games. And so for the Cowboys, this will be a test of patience. This will be a test of can we be content with the three, four, five-yard game as opposed to the explosive play. And if they can be patient and avoid the penalties and the mistakes that bog down some teams, then they shouldn't have a problem scoring. But I would anticipate this being one of those one-score fairs that you're just going to have to kind of outlast the Philadelphia Eagles when it comes to your offensive approach. That kind of sounds like what they faced against San Diego. Is that an accurate assessment? Los Angeles. I'm sorry, yeah. Los Angeles. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I think, I think it's a very, I think it's a very um, safe assessment that the games could be very similar in terms of how the Chargers played um, how they're not going to allow you to have the explosive plays and those things, and how Philadelphia wants to play the same way. Philadelphia has not been able to generate the turnovers that they want, but they have played very, very solid defense. And so it's going to take what I call a workmanlike effort from everyone involved with the offense to get it going. And so Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, they have to make sure that the way that they attack the Eagles is one that doesn't necessarily put the ball in harm's way so they can make sure that they don't gift extra opportunities to the Eagles. Bucky, on your five bucks column that you uh, wrote this week, you said one of your points was two backs is greater than one. And, of course, that's a big um, talking point around here with Zeke and, and Pollard. Uh, can you explain that a little bit more on why it works so well here with the Cowboys? Yeah, I can't really understand why there's this national debate about Tony Pollard replacing Ezekiel Elliott and those things. I Agreed. understand like people get caught up in terms of like what people get paid. But look, man, it's like dominoes. Once dominoes is laid, it's played. Like it's, it's over. Like they paid Zeke the money, Zeke is there. So now you're trying to figure out what's the best way for the offense to play. And when you go and you look at um, the Cowboys, one, I'm excited to see them run the ball. Like when they run the ball over 30 times, it's normally a recipe for success. And so Zeke, you're running between the tackles, the power runner softening up the defense so that Tony Pollard can get on the edges and do what he does in space. I think it's a nice combination. I like the way that they have it going back and forth. And I think it's something that the Cowboys should continue to do because also, don't forget, it is an extra game. It's a 17-game season. And to think that you're going to put it all on the shoulders of one back over an extended a marathon of a season, it's really not sensible. If anything, what you would like to do is see it kind of evenly distributed and then as you get down the stretch, when it's the dash for the playoffs, then maybe it goes in favor of Ezekiel Elliott if he's playing better than Tony Pollard or vice versa. But right now, keep it even. Utilize both of them. Let both of those guys attack the defense while they're fresh. I think it's really a sensible solution to what um, they want to be able to do on offense. So, Buck, as, as long as I've been here, the Eagles' front has kind of been a pain for the Cowboys but the Cowboys have had a lot of success against their secondary. From the time Amari Cooper got here, Dak Prescott's averaging 308 passing yards a game against the Eagles. And there's a new element of that. Uh, Steven Nelson came over from Pittsburgh right at the start of training camp. We know all about Darius Slay, but can you give us a snapshot on Nelson and what he brings to this and whether that's a favorable matchup for anybody in the Cowboys passing game? Well, I mean, Nelson is a really good player, but he's a good player um, really kind of coming off the edge and, and blitzing and doing some creative things. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily a high-end cover guy. And so what happens in the problem that the Cowboys present 
they have receivers that are really good, and typically you don't have enough to match up with what they can put out there. Even though Michael Gallup isn't available, still with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and the thought of defending the running game, and particularly what you have to deal with with the tight ends, it's a lot to think about. So you have to prioritize what's most important. I would say the most important thing for Dallas that you have to stop is you got to stop the running game because you let them have a, a multidimensional attack, you have no chance. So you got to make sure you bottle up Ezekiel Elliott and take care of Tony Pollard so they don't hurt you. And so now what it does is it does create some one-on-one opportunities where Steven Nelson has to hold up his face against CD or Amari Cooper. If they see that, if they can identify that, particularly in a single high safety coverage, I think they're going to attack and they're going to attack it relentlessly. Philadelphia's defensive end, Brandon Graham, has been placed on IR. He will not play, obviously, this week. Uh, who will presumably fill in for him, and how much of a loss is that for Philadelphia's defense? I mean, it's a loss because he's one of the leaders of the defense. He's a high-motor guy. He's a guy that isn't necessarily a double-digit sack producer, but he's a persistent pass rusher. So you have Ryan Kerrigan, who's in the rotation. You have Derek Barnett, who's in the mix. Uh, I would expect those guys to pick up the slack. Now, I'll be honest with Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan is not what he was during his prime with the Washington football team, but still he can uh, still work over uh, tackles that kind of fall asleep at the wheel and they're not sound with their technique. So you have to be aware of him. You have to be aware of Barnett being able to come off the edge. But this is a team that kind of does it by committee. And so the main thing is you got to make sure that you don't get beat inside. you got to make sure you take care of the inside part of their defense lock. You know, you just got done saying that uh, Pollard and Zeke. That doesn't really matter who's who's doing you know the most, or you know, just as long as you use them both. You feel the same about tight end for the Cowboys? I mean, Schultz, Jarwin. Do you feel like you know it, they're getting it done by committee? There it doesn't really matter who's doing more there. Yeah, I kind of think it's the same because I don't think there's a, a huge um, difference between the way both of those guys are playing right now. I know Schultz had a fantastic year. Um, a season ago, but I think right now they're still just kind of getting um, the scraps in the passing game because the ball is going outside to the wide receivers. Um, ideally, though, you would like to see someone emerge as a middle-of-the-field threat because that will also loosen the blanket on the guys outside, Lamb and Cooper respectively. But right now, both of these guys are kind of even Steven when it comes to what they're producing on the, on the field. You mentioned Kerrigan not being what he used to be what does Fletcher Cox look like these days? Because like the the reputation it speaks for itself, and he had a good year last year, but he is you know he's thirty now. Just curious if he still looks like himself two games into the season. I mean, he's fine, but I think at this stage, man, he's a, a flash player, so he can give you a couple flash plays, but he's not going to be the consistent dominant force that he was early in his career. And so, what you have to do is you have to make sure you gear up for those big moments, right? third down, um, two-minute situations, red zone situations where he can make a play, he tends to kind of pop up and make plays in those moments more so than the complete takeover that he used to put on display um, when he was younger. I'll take that. That's that's a little, that's a little easier to defend. Yeah. Win. Um, all right, so, Bucky, tell us, what do you think is going to happen Monday night? Look, I think I think if the Cowboys are, are focused and locked in, I think this is a game that plays well for them. If they just line up and play and take what the defense has given them on offense like they did the last two weeks, whether that's a pass-heavy menu or a run or a balance menu. They have to do that. I think they just have to be patient. Uh, defensively, I think it's still finding a way to be creative and still unleash Michael Parsons in their front. Uh, depending on who's back and who's in the lineup, um, you have some things. But I think 
we are seeing that Michael Parsons is a huge difference maker. And even though there's been a groundswell of national attention around him, I still think Dan Quinn has to unleash him and let him do what he does. I think he's at his best going forward than backwards. So keep him blitzing, keep him rushing, find a way to allow him to make some splash plays in the game. All right, Buck, Thanks. we appreciate you joining us. We, uh, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, uh, I have some questions for these guys. We're going to talk a little bit more about this Dallas offense, particularly the offensive line. Uh, Tyler Biotish, some questions there going into the season. We'll find out how these guys think he's been playing so far uh, through two games. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Back to the break. Head to AT&T Stadium on Sunday, September 26th to experience the first rally day of the season presented by SeatGeek. A lot of cool things there. Autographs of Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, Cowboys alumni, ticket giveaways, a lot of cool stuff there at the Miller Lighthouse. Visit attstadium.com for tickets and more information. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Life in the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We just finished our segment with Bucky Brooks talking about the Philadelphia-Dallas matchup. Uh, remember, tomorrow we'll give you guys guys our thoughts on what we think is going to happen in that game Monday night. We'll not have a show on Monday because we won't uh, because it's a game day, uh, but we'll do a, a wrap-up tomorrow and then come back on Tuesday to let you know what we think happened in the Monday night game. For the rest of our time today, though, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Dallas offense. And I want to zero in here on the offensive line for a bit. Um, we've talked about this unit, I think, quite a bit. And I think as a unit, they we all agree they've looked pretty good through two games. I think the quarterback helps when you have a quarterback that can get rid of the ball quickly. And I saw moments in this last game where that was really, really uh, the case. 
Um, I think that helps the entire unit. But we haven't really assessed, I don't think, some of the individual players. And I, I wanted to tie to, first talk about Tyler Biotish because he was a guy that back going back even to training camp, there was a lot of talk about him, a lot of talk about Connor Williams, who was the better fit. How would each of them play in given situations? Talk to me about what you've seen from Tyler Biotish and from Connor Williams in, through these first two games. Tyler Biotish is off of his feet a lot, I feel like. I just, I mean, <laughs> it's not a good thing for an no, offensive line. No, no, that's a very bad <laughs> yeah, that's thing. That's not a good thing. Uh, I mean, and Vita Vea is about as hard of a draw as you could ask for, and Sue for that matter. Yeah. Um, I just, there was a play in that Buccaneers game where they. <laughs> they picked Tyler up and carried him to Dak. I mean, that's basically what happened. Uh, and and I thought that there were some. Um, I thought that happened a little bit in in this last game as well. Not as dramatically as that, but he's a young player who hasn't played a lot of football. I've always this goes back to the spring when Nick and I were kind of just banging the drum, like why is Tyler the only center on this team? And I don't. I'm not accusing the Cowboys of this, but there's been this narrative of like he went to Wisconsin, he won the Remington Trophy, so they just they, it's yeah. Frederick 2.0. He's yeah. a beast, and he was a fourth round pick. I mean, it's just and there were all of the concerns that go along with the tape of a fourth round pick were there. Some of it was his injury, but some of it was like. Yeah, I mean, if if you are Travis Frederick was a first round pick. Not everybody agreed with that, but he had the talent to make it happen. Um, I've been right in fifth round pick for like two years now. Have I been wrong? I really thought he was I think a, he was a fourth. Was they he, traded up with the Eagles. It was like a, the second fourth round pick. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think he was. Your fourth. second fourth round pick's never going to be good. I'm not. Well, wow. I'm, I don't. I'm not ready to say that he's not so good. Dak, yeah, Dak was oh, the second fourth. Duh. Round pick. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, he was pick okay. 146, fourth round. I'm not. I shouldn't argue with you about what rounds people were. In. But I, I always thought he was a fifth round. He's a fourth, and I was the fifth. Um, mm. He, but that's the funny thing. Like he had played four or started four NFL games coming into this season, so this shouldn't be terribly surprising. I think Connor Williams has been pretty damn good. I think yeah. PFF has credited him with one pressure allowed through two mm-hmm. games. Um, so that's exciting to see for a guy At guard where everybody was like, "Is he gonna be? Should he be your center?" Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, that's vindicating for me because I think he's certainly not Zach Martin, but I think that is the comparison for a lot of people. So everybody's dogged on him for years for not being an all pro. Um, you know, so, I, so I, I also yeah. think, too, about Connor Williams is that when you have a left tackle like Tyron Smith, who's playing pretty good. I mean, like he's playing Tyron Smith football. Now, he, he gave up a sack. That sack and, was his. And yeah. that was his, and that was one we haven't seen a lot of, but we've also seen him kind of shut it down over there as well. And uh, I think when that's happening, it certainly helps your left guard. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, Connor Williams coming back from injury last year and having to play with a lot of different guys moving around. Um, I bet you it's a lot easier for him and for anybody when you know when you've got all pros sitting there. I want to throw this out there too. Stephen Jones in his post game, you know, he talks to 105.3 every Monday after the game, and he said something, or maybe it was before the game, but he said something along the lines of like the two Connors are both getting practice reps at center, like we're doing, and that's new. McGovern played center in college; he's very rarely ever done it here, mm-hmm. so it does make me wonder i think i think it's fair to say center is the weak link of this offensive line right now that's not i'm not throwing dirt on tyler biotish he's this was his sixth nfl start but that's so somebody has to be right and i would even say terrence Steele played better against the chargers than tyler biotish did so it's definitely something to watch i wonder 
if Connor Williams had had a better preseason, if maybe that would be something that they would consider. Maybe if they'd started doing it before they got to Oxnard, who knows? It's almost yeah. like you should have two centers heading into training camp. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That's something to watch. I, th- I I'm not like. I'm not pressing panic buttons about Tyler Biotish, but he's he looks like a second-year player who's still very, very raw. After going back and watching the film, did you uh, did you think Terrence still played as well as we thought he did on Monday? Yeah, I, I actually did. I thought he. I thought he, um, he. There were some times where he got you know he got some help. I think they're they're always going to get some help. Yeah, you know even Lyell was going to will get some, but but not not that much. But I thought I thought he played I thought he played really well. And you know he got stronger in the this year, which most second year players get stronger. And I thought it showed um, at times. And they're not afraid to run behind him, that, you know. And even down in the goal line or short yard situations, and you know having Zach there helps. Just like I said about Connor and Tyron Smith. And so I thought he did a really nice job in, in the game. And I think his, you know, he's just got some athletic ability to him that you just don't see a lot from the right tackle position. So. You know, just just keep going. It's gonna get it's gonna get tough this week. As Dave said when he was talking to Bucky, we talked about this before. Just plug. I mean, just put the eagle helmet on and put him out at defensive end. And for some reason, I seriously don't care who it is. They yeah. they are always good. Yeah. I mean, we we named five or six, seven players that it it they always seem to have. You know, and they always seem to have six. Got like we're over here always just like well. Do they have enough to play this game? Dorrance Armstrong can't play. Demarcus yeah. Lawrence is out. Eagles are just like Brandon Graham went down. Well, we have Ryan Kerrigan for that. Yeah, which he's not Ryan Kerrigan of six seven years ago. He's still a good player. I would assume. Yeah, I would have. I told Nick yesterday. Like I would have signed him to that deal that that the Eagles gave oh, him. Yeah. And part of me. When he became a free agent, I was like, well, he's Mr. Washington. He's not the type of guy. Like, DeMarcus Ware didn't want to go in the division. Sign with the Eagles. Well, that didn't surprise me just because I kind of always thought, not that I've talked to him or anything, but I always thought that the way that they went out and just started drafting guys to replace him – at some point, he probably was looking like, I'm a good player. Like, why are you trying to replace me? Like, there are a lot no, of other well, places on this well, team you could be trying to replace. The point I'm trying to make you know? is if he was willing to sign in the division, why ain't he here? Yeah. Right. The Eagles are yeah. the kings of doing deals that I want to do. Yeah. Steven Nelson, pretty decently solid, experienced cornerback. Not like the Cowboys need one of those. He signed on July 25th for three and a half mil. Yeah. The Eagles just stay doing deals that I want the Cowboys to do. It's the only thing they do. And like I didn't grow up a Cowboy fan, so I don't have like this long-seated animosity. But every year I'm just like, there goes Howie doing what I want the Cowboys to do. And it pisses me off after a while. <laughs> you know, I did notice one thing. Uh, we talked about Terrence Steele, and, and I remembered last week, I think it was Steven last week, that was saying, you know, there is some benefit to having a Zach Martin there at guard when you've got that inexperienced guy at tackle and that inexperienced guy at center. And I noticed on one play in spe- uh, specifically, uh, basically Bosa got by Terrence Steele and you saw Zach just kind of dip right over. And Zach already had one guy on his left shoulder and now he's got Bosa coming on the right. And luckily it just slowed things down a bit so so that Dak could get the ball off. But that's the benefit. And, and I think Terrence still played a really, really fabulous game. But I do think it has some value having a guy like Zach Martin that can help him out in those kind of moments just to give your quarterback an extra beat. I don't remember if Bucky said his name during the breakdown, but 
Zach might have. I mean, obviously Fletcher Cox, but don't forget about Javon Hargrave either. Mm, he's yeah. very, very good. He's he seems like he's off to a good start based on what I've seen of the Eagles. I think he's either leads or is second in quarterback pressures for them. I think he's, second. He's a hell of a player in yeah. his own right. So I'm just saying Zach Martin's great, but he's got a lot of I think the Eagles have stronger players on the interior. That's my what I'm trying to say. All right, that's a wrap for us. We got to get to uh, Coach McCarthy's press conference. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll wrap up everything, get you guys ready for the Cowboys versus the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Till then, for Nick Eatman and Dave Hellman, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!